following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. John 15, and uh, verse 1, we're glad to have those who are here maybe for the first time. <clears throat> we need to also pray for Marlene. She had a baby girl in Edmonton on Monday. got to see him on Monday, man. And I don't mind going to see people in the hospital that have had new babies. I'm just glad I don't have to take them home. Amen. <laughs> I have passed the diaper stage and hallelujah. Praise God for the Savior. And I'm fifteen. And verse one. I have nothing against children as long as they're somebody else's. Amen. And I'm fifteen and verse one. The Bible says I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch of me that beareth not fruit he taketh away. And every branch that beareth, and he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except that it abide in me. In the vine, and no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. But without me, can do nothing. But man abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, which shall be done unto you. Here is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. Again, as we're talking about, <clears throat> still talking about the subject of bearing fruit as Christ's disciple. Let's pray. Father, again, in heaven, and or as we come before you, Father, we'd ask for your blessing and help. Father, help me to preach and teach thy word today. Father, even as the text teaches us, without you we can do nothing. If there will be anything profitable, profitably accomplished here today, it will be by thee. And ask for thy help in this area. And Father, help even all of us who come to listen to thy word. And God, help us, Father, not just to hear for the, for the sake of hearing, but Father, for the sake of doing. God, give us grace, I pray in Jesus' name. And then again, bearing fruit as uh, Christ's disciples, <clears throat> as we've been talking about this subject already, we have talked about the source of our fruitfulness is Christ. Verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and all of the source of fruitfulness of the Christian life comes by and through him as the true vine, our true source of, of fruitfulness in the Christian life. And then we talked about in verse 1 that the cultivator of our fruitfulness is God the Father. He said, I am the true vine, verse 1, and my Father is the husband, the one who cultivates, cares for, nurtures, and works in the, in the vineyard to help produce fruit in the life of God's people. We spent some time talking about that. And then verses 2 and 3, we talked about the, the work of cultivation by the Father. In verse 2, Jesus says, Here every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That speaks of those who sometimes will find themselves within the house of God, even professing to know God, who generally don't know uh, the Lord, even as Judas, <coughs> one of the Lord's disciples, uh, one of the charter members of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in the beginning, found his way out of the church by virtue of purging. God purged him from them. Uh, the devil tried to use them to defeat the work of God. And you know, it's an amazing thing to me that when the devil strives to uh, uh, defeat the things of God, he often finds himself being a tool used by God, allowed of God to do what he does to further 
of the kingdom of heaven. Even though he finds himself the enemy of all righteousness, without even trying sometimes, he finds himself uh, being used of God to further the kingdom of God. Verse uh, 2 again, he says, Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you're clean through the word which I have spoken. And God uses uh, uh, <clears throat> trials and difficulties in the lives of God's people to purge and cleanse their lives of impurities, unholiness, unholy behavior, as well as the word of God. And the Bible says, Jesus said in John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The word sanctify means to set apart from sin and consecrate in holy service to the Lord. You know, God sets us apart from sin in Christ and salvation, and he desires that our lives be consecrated or given over to holy service for the Lord and God would have us be a holy people. As a matter of fact, let's read it. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. This doesn't mean we walk around in strange robes with our hands folded, mumbling to ourselves. That's not holiness. Although there are those that imagine it to be so. In the first Peter chapter 1, here, and we'll begin in uh, uh, verse 14. As obedient children, that and not fashion yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. God would have us to be a holy, consecrated, if you will, a sanctified, a separate from sin type of a people. Does it mean we're going to have that we can reach sinless perfection? Absolutely not. not. And yet we're to strive to be as Christ was. The Bible says Christ was tempted at all points, like as we are, and yet without sin. In 1 John chapter 2, if you look there with me in verse 1, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, <clears throat> we are perfect in Christ, meaning that we're perfectly cleansed of all of our sin and salvation, and yet in our practical, personal lives as we live as Christians, in this world, God would have us to be a sinless or live, uh, commit sinless, if you will. Look at me there at 1 John 2 and 1. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. You know, God doesn't want us to sin. Now, who in this room doesn't sin? We all still sin as Christians. But it should be our desire to sin less. God doesn't save us to sin. He saves us from sin to live, if you will, a holy life. For God, he says, uh, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. The word propitiation means appeasement to a holy God over the sin, our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the world. God uh, was pleased with the sacrifice of his son on the cross of Calvary, and he is pleased when we receive that sacrifice for ourselves uh, by grace through faith in Christ. And folks, when that happens, we are separated in Christ from sin, and we are separate, consecrated to a holy life for Him. Amen. And so, this is part of what we're talking about as bearing fruit as Christ's disciples, that of being, if you will, cleansed or purged uh, from uh, sin, so that we might be fruitful for the Lord. Again, John, uh, <clears throat> John 15 again, as we uh, continue to consider the subject of uh, this morning, I want to say tonight. No, that was last night. This, this morning. And if you look at verse
verse, we're looking at verse 4 through 6. We're going to now begin to talk about abiding in Christ and bearing fruit as his disciples. Now it says in verses 4 through 6, let's read it again. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except and abide in the vine, no more can he except you abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches, he that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me can do nothing. If a, man, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, it shall be done unto you. The reality is, is that we have to abide in Christ if we're going to be fruitful uh, for Christ. Now, in, in these uh, four verses, we find the Lord using the word abide seven times. Now, there are different numbers in the scripture that are important. One of those numbers is the number seven. And the number seven is the divine full, fullness. It speaks of perfection and completeness. It's one of those perfect numbers that comes from the Hebrew word meaning to be complete, to be full, to be satisfied, to have enough. God would have us as his people, if you will, to be uh, perfect and complete. And now, perfect in the Bible in reference to human beings and to Christian people means spiritual maturity. It doesn't mean perfection the way it does with God. God is the only one who is perfectly without sin. One day when we get to heaven, we will be as God in the sense that we will be perfectly without sin in all of our life. You know, we're set apart in Christ. Where God views us as, as if we had never sinned or never will sin because our sin is forgiven. The Bible says the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from what? Part of our sin? No, it says all of our sin. Past, present, and future. That's what's comprehended in the, the, the three-letter word A-L-L, -L, all. Amen. And yet, <clears throat> here we find the Lord using the word abide uh, seven times the number of seven outside of scripture is found in all kinds of different areas of life. As a matter of fact, in botany is divided into seven branches. And there are seven stages of life in a fruit-bearing plant. The fruit, stem, leaves, flower stalk, flower, root, and seed. This is outside of the scripture, just in physical life. But understand this. The God that created us did so. He, the Bible says when he was all done with creation, he said, Behold, it was very good. God didn't make any mistakes. God didn't uh, create man and then goof and have to recreate as there are those that believe in that kind of an idea. When God made it, when God did it, when God created it, it was perfect. And in seven, on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work because he had done a complete and perfect uh, work. We find that... <clears throat> in the creation itself. Not only that, in other areas. As a matter of fact, cereal foods that are beneficial to man are found in all parts of the world. These cereal foods are wheat, oats, uh, barley, maize or corn, rice, rye, milk, and so forth. But seven particular staple cereal foods are found all over the world. And those are just some of them. The human body, as a matter of fact, is composed of seven parts. Four limbs, the head, neck, and trunk. God made us that way. He made us, and you know, seven speaks of being complete. You know, it's sad to see when, when men have gone to war, men or women have gone to war, and they lose a limb. 
You know, in effect, they are not as complete as they once were. They're limited in some of what they can do. God, when God makes us, he makes us to be complete, amen, and would have us to be. So it's sad that folks have to live in a, that, with those kinds of problems. There are seven holes in the head. Now, this is deep. Think with me here. Seven holes in the head. Maybe more with some of you, amen. <clears throat> There's seven holes in the head. Two eyes. Two ears. Two holes in the nose. That's six. What's the other one? Your mouth. Except when you fix that thing. Like sometimes preachers get. All right, we're talking about perfection or completion. You know, there's seven bones in the wrist. God made us complete. Our wrist is complete. There are seven muscles in each hand and each foot. There are seven <coughs> rib bones on each side of the breastbone. So that's well, just a coincidence. You know, it happened by, don't you know that, that a big bang happened and we're just here by accident? I don't know if you look like you've been in an accident. <laughs> we're not here by accident, amen. We're here, here by divine creation, divine purpose of God and God that believes in completing things and making them, if you will, perfect. You know, the number seven, is found throughout the scripture. Look with me to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, and sometimes you wonder, well, why, why would someone do or say things in such a fashion? <clears throat> there is sometimes a message to be found in the way things are done and said, even outside of the very words that they say. In Genesis 18, <clears throat> and look at verse 23. <clears throat> Bible says, And Abraham drew near. Now Abraham is going to intercede for Sodom and Gomorrah with God because God had told him, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah for their sin of Sodom, your homosexuality. Let's never forget this. God is the same God as, as he was in the beginning. Sodom and homosexuality is still sin against God. And God proved it by example how he felt about it. And it's not to say that there isn't mercy for those who will repent and turn from sin, even as the word is given to all men, but this particular sin is brought out now. Yet Abraham is, is coming before God to intercede in prayer, if you will, uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah, partly, in great part, because of his, uh, of his uh, <clears throat> nephew Lot, who is living there with his family. His extended family. Verse 23, And Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for fifty righteous therein? That be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, that the righteous should be as the wicked. That be far from thee. Shall not the judge of all the earth do it? I mean, he's being very bold. And he's putting a difference between that which is righteous and that which is unrighteous. And know this, that God will not judge the righteous, those who God has made righteous by grace through faith in the righteousness of Christ, even as Abraham had. And he says in verse 26, the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. And Abraham said, uh, behold, and now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord, which am but uh, dust and ashes. 
Peradventure there lacked five and fifty righteous. Wilt thou destroy all the city for lack of five? And they said, If there be uh, forty to five, I will not destroy it. Because all I'm talking about, he says it just in those verses, seven times he uses the, the term righteous. And it's not without significance. Because he was interceding for the righteous that might be found in Sodom and Gomorrah, and there were not even, it gets down to the point of ten. Righteous people within those two cities, they could not, they could not be found. And God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. He brought Lot out and his two daughters that had been so affected by the sin of that town or that those cities that they eventually committed incest with their dad. You say they were righteous, surely God brought them out. And yet, folks, you know what? <clears throat> he destroyed those that were not. But Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6 and verses 6 through 8. There is a significance to the number 7 in Scripture. It speaks of uh, completion, perfection. <clears throat> in Exodus chapter 6, and let's begin in verse 6. <clears throat> Wherefore say unto the ch children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out under, from under the burdens of Egypt, the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched out arm with great judgments. I will take you to, uh, to me for people. I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord uh, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will bring you into the land concerning which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it you for inheritance, for I am the Lord. And here we find sevenfold promise to Israel. You look through there, you find seven particular promises that God is making to Israel at that time. And he has not yet brought them out, but he will. And he's promising these things to them. If you will, open it Psalm 29. Psalm 29. And really, when he, again, using the, the, the reference of seven, he is doing so to show that he's going to do a perfect work. You know, God, you know, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to find the things that I do on the job or wherever where I can do them perfectly. As a matter of fact, I don't do them perfectly. Sometimes I'll do a project, and I'll get done, I'll look back and say, wow, I missed that. Ever done that? Oh, no, you missed it perfectly. I'm sorry. Well, maybe you're just asleep. Are we with it today? <laughs> you know, there are times when we can look at what we've done and say, oh, yeah, I missed that or I missed that. You know, God is not one to miss things. God does a perfect work when he does it. And be sure that, you know, be thankful for that. Because yet God is at work in the Christian life, and he desires to do a perfect, and will do a perfect work in us, as only God can. Psalm 29. Psalm 29 this morning. <clears throat> if I could, I'd come down and pinch you, but some ladies might not preach. I just to speak your voice. Psalm 29, and let's look if you will, <clears throat> to, to verse 1. Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory of doing his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Now, seven times we'll find this phrase repeated and on purpose. He says here, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh also, them also to skip like calves 
of Lebanon and Syria like a young eunuch when the voice of the Lord divided the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest and his temple. Doth everyone speak of his glory? The Lord sitteth upon the flood. Yea, the Lord sitteth king forever. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. But repeatedly speaks of the voice of the Lord seven particular times. And remember this, we won't take the time to look back here, but in Genesis chapter 1, the Bible speaks of the fact that God created the world by his word. The Bible says that God said, let it, let it be so, and it was so. God, the Bible says in Psalm 33, if you look with me there, Psalm 33, <clears throat> And verse 6, Psalm 33, and uh, verse 6. <clears throat> By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them. By the breath of his mouth, God created the world by his word, and he does so many great and wonderful and powerful things by his voice, by his word, and continues to do so. Now look with me here for a moment. He continues to do so through the voice of the Lord, the written word of God, inspired. All scripture is given by inspiration of God breathed to man. The voice of the word of God is continuing to do great and mighty things. But folks, he gives emphasis to it in Psalm 29. Look at by using the voice of God seven times. Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> We'll begin in verse 1, Matthew 5 and verse 1. <clears throat> and seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was said, his disciples came unto him. Now, here the Lord is teaching his disciples, those that would be a part of the church. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to repeat this phrase in different ways. He says, blessed are. Blessed are. <clears throat> he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which <clears throat> are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely. For my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Seven things we find. He says, blessed are seven different things he speaks of here as blessings given to the children of God. And you know, folks, on purpose, seven things. He's saying, listen, I'm doing a perfect work. I'm going to work out some perfect things in your life. Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> and folks, this is just a few examples. The Bible's filled with examples where oftentimes he will use specific numbers to carry across specific truths and work that he is doing. In Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, let's look at verse 6. 
He's going to here define some of the gifts that God gives us as his people for service. In Romans 12 and 6, having then gifts differing according to grace that is given to us. Whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, he's talking about prophecy. Now ministry, the second thing, let us wait on our ministry. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Just in these three verses, we see six particular gifts given to men and God's people for service unto him. And then Revelation, Revelation, <clears throat> Revelation <clears throat> uh, chapter 1. <clears throat> says, abide in me. And this means 
remain united to me by a living faith, live a life of dependence on me, obedience to my doctrines, and imitate my example, and constantly exercise faith in me. So he says, abide in me. He's talking about our walk with him. Not on our own, not alone, but our walk with him. And it's important, especially, you know, it's always been important from the time that the Lord said these words and before and, and to our time. It is so important that as we live in a sin-cursed world and we desire to, you know, the Bible says that God has predestined us. Let's go to Romans 8. Let's be reminded of it. Romans 8, <clears throat> verses 28 and 29. <clears throat> Lewis mentioned this verse on, on Wednesday night. In Romans chapter 8 and verses 28 and 29, the Bible says, We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, God hasn't predestined some to go to heaven and some to go to hell, but God has predetermined when you get saved by the grace of God, that all things that God allows or brings into your life are for our good and his glory so that we will be, God's great purpose in salvation is not to give you fire insurance, but rather that you and I will be made like Christ again to restore the image of Christ in us, which is, if you will, in, a, in, a, in its essence, a bearing fruit for the Lord as the disciples of the Lord of the fruit of the Spirit. He says, looking back to our text, look with me there in John 15, he says, Abide in me. <clears throat> John 15 and 4. He says, Abide in me, and I in you. And let me say this. The abiding on our side is is always at times fraught with faltering, at times failing. When God says, and I in you, I am abiding in you, the failure for abiding is never on God's part. Okay? Because when we get saved by the grace of God, let's remember, God dwells in us, as we've seen so many times, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1. <clears throat> and verse 12, Ephesians 1 and 12. Ephesians 1 and 12, that we, all of Christian people, that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, and whom he also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Folks, you can't be saved without hearing the gospel of Christ, how the Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Salvation is of the Lord, in God, in Christ, not in us. It says that. <clears throat> After that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after that you believed, and you put your faith, your trust in the, in the, the message of the gospel and the Christ of that message, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, of the redemption, the purchased possession, the praise of his Lord. Folks, we're sealed. We belong to God. And it's because Christ lives and dwells in our hearts by faith in the person of the Holy Spirit when he says, abide in me and I and you, that is what he's speaking of. 
We are not alone. We will never, ever be alone as long as God dwells in our hearts by faith in Jesus Christ. Christ will be with us. Amen? And we will be fruitful because of that. Because of the fact that He always abides in us. Whether we always abide with Him. And there are times when we don't walk with Him as we are. We fail God. We're, we're, we get stacks of what have you, folks. God never gets backslidden. Amen. He's not like us. He dwells in our hearts. He's perfect. He is, as we've seen in John 14. John 14 <clears throat> and 16. John 14 and 16. He says, And I will pray the Father. John 14 and 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth them not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. The Spirit will, will, truth that dwells in our hearts by faith. The promised Holy Spirit, the moment we trust Christ, he dwells in our hearts. He will be with us, he will abide with us forever. Now let me say that, look up for, for just a moment. You know, we're talking about, in, in essence, eternal security. We are saved forever. Because Christ dwells in our hearts forever. Amen. And one day when we get to heaven, he will dwell with us personally. What a blessing. But folks, he dwells with us personally now. In our hearts. By faith. What a blessing that we're not alone. John 16 and 13. John 16 and 13. He is with us as our abiding comforter, our earnest, our seal. Not only that, he is our abiding guide unto all truth. In verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he, sh he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, or Christ. Let me say this, the Holy Spirit always seeks to glorify the, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit never seeks to exalt himself. Though he is God, though he is Christ himself, no difference. Yet the Holy Spirit will always seek to lift up and exalt Christ. And so should we as Christians where the Spirit of God abides within us. And he shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath of mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. Folks, we look for guidance in life. The Holy Spirit of God will always seek to guide us according to the truth of his word. You know, folks, we don't need to, to go to a psychologist to tell us what we ought to do and how we ought to think and how we ought to be. Rather, we should go to the word of God, trusting in the spirit of God that dwells within us to be our guide always, as the Bible says, even unto death. John 10, John 10. <clears throat> We'll begin in verse 11, John 10 and 11. <clears throat> Jesus said this, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep, and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep, and knoweth mine. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, 
which are not of this fold, that them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. You know, folks, God, our Lord Jesus Christ, was the shepherd of his sheep, and since he has left this earth, he has left with us the shepherd of his presence, the Holy Spirit of God, that dwells in us individually and dwells with us, if you will, abides with us as we meet and worship the Lord. Amen. That's what the Bible speaks of, where two or three are gathered together, speaking of the church. Not down to the, not having a picnic on the lake, but having, uh, having a time we're gathered together to worship the Lord. God is there among us. There will I be in the midst of thee. Amen. But folks, he is, if you will, the, the shepherd is in, in the spirit. And then he's given us shepherds who are pastors to care for the flock. I am not Christ. I am, if, I, if you will, standing as a shepherd for Christ. Watching out for your souls, striving to help you, by the grace of God, the work of the Spirit of God, to be fruitful in the Lord. John 15 and 1. John 15 and 1. And as we've mentioned before, we'll spend a lot of time with it. But he said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the husband. You know, folks, God is at work. He is abiding in us. He strives to have us to abide in Him. And we'll go further with that next time. Let's Father in heaven, we thank you for being the great God that you are. Father, thank you for not leaving us alone. Father, thank you for being, for faithfully abiding in our hearts by faith. And I pray, God, that you bless your people. God, help us to understand these things. Father, help us to understand our dependence, our need of thee in everything in life. Father, even as I preach thy word, the Bible says it when you say it to us, without me or Christ or the Holy Spirit of God, we can do nothing. God, help us to learn what it is to abide in thee. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.